2: From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Katie Orr. Some retailers in San Francisco are raising concerns about increasingly brazen shoplifters in the city. A recent video caught a man in a Walgreens filling a bag with items, then leaving the store on his bike with the stolen goods, all while onlookers and a security guard filmed him. We'll talk more about what can or should be done to address the problem of retail theft. And later in the hour, we'll talk about Juneteenth. President Biden just signed legislation to make June 19th a new federal holiday to commemorate the end of slavery. We'll talk about how the Bay Area is celebrating this historic day. That's next on Forum, right after the news. Welcome to KQED Forum. I'm Katie Orr. Earlier this week, a video surfaced showing a man in a San Francisco Walgreens filling a bag with items, then leaving the store on his bike with the stolen goods as onlookers and a security guard filmed him. Retailers say this brazen incident is evidence of a problem that's driving stores out of the city. Some in the retail and grocery industries are demanding a bigger focus on solving these types of crimes and harsher penalties for theft. But not everyone thinks that's the right approach or that shoplifting is that big of a problem. We discuss the problem of retail theft in San Francisco and what can be done about it. And joining us first is Asha Safai, District 11 Supervisor on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Welcome, Supervisor uh, uh, Safai. Thank you for being here.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me this morning and happy Juneteenth Day.
2: Happy Juneteenth to you! Uh, you recently held a hearing on this issue. What are people telling you uh, about their 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 take on 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 this shoplifting uh, scourge in San Francisco?
3: So last summer, uh, the end of last summer, we started to get a major increase in calls. There were postings on Nextdoor. There were merchants that would stop me on the street. There were residents that would stop me on the street and say. our, our, you know, our major anchor stores, our Walgreens or CVS or Safeway, um, they're being, people are brazenly uh, robbing goods and items from the store. So, you know, I went down to visit uh, with some of the merchants, was there that morning talking with them and was headed over to the Walgreens. And I witnessed, you know, about 12 to 14 kids go in, all had bags in their hands, one stood outside and within two minutes they all walked out laughing with tons of goods and I I was absolutely shocked. So we engaged with the Walgreens um, leadership, we engaged with uh, community-based organizations and and we talked about it, Um, we had a community forum where it came up, our district attorney was there, our police chief was there. Uh, talked with the police and really started to dig in on it. Um, And about a month ago, we had finally had a hearing. We were able to get a hearing at the Public Service and Neighborhood Safety. And it was there that we heard from the representatives of the stores, um, including the Gap, by the way, it wasn't just uh, drug stores or grocery stores, saying that organized retail crime was the main reason that they were experiencing the vast majority of their loss. And and, and in one executive's words or representative words, 85% of their theft, 85% of their loss was was attributed to organized retail crime. I was absolutely taken aback. The the district attorney was, representatives were there. They had a presentation that centered around organized retail crime. The, The police department did. So I felt like going into the meeting, I was the only one that wasn't aware that this was such a problem. Um, But, you know, saying that we're the epicenter of organized retail crime, saying that that we are an outlier when you compare us to New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, um, something's wrong and something needs to be done. So we sent a letter of inquiry now to the district attorney and the police uh, chief. We're expanding that to our uh, superior court as well and asking them you know what type of organ, uh, coordinated and organized strategy we have because in the last five years we've lost 17 Walgreens. Uh, we were losing uh, I, I don't think you can find a gap in San Francisco anymore uh, maybe one re, uh, one outlet left to shop in and it, you know this is a problem for our city and I didn't realize how much of a problem it was um, and you know you saw the video the other day it's brazen, um, but it's not random. And I I want people to understand that video was not someone that had done, just done that out of desperation. It's it's something that's happening over and over and over again. They take their goods, they sell them to people uh, um, for a small amount of money, and then those are resold. Um, And this is a multi, multi-million dollar industry. And we have to do something here in San Francisco. Otherwise, we're going to lose a lot of Really important stores that that serve our seniors, our working families, our children, um, our retail clerks are at the breaking point. Um, this is something has to be done.
2: So just so I, I'm sh- I'm understanding it, are you saying like those 14-year-old kids that you saw going into the store, are they part of an organized ring? Are they being recruited well, and compensated yes. by somebody?
3: Yes, as we understand it. The vast majority, um, a lot of times, they're given a list. They're asked to go in and get um, predominantly cosmetics and over-the-counter drugs, and they turn around and get you know a certain amount of money for for uh, their the, the goods that they have. And you know, you go go down to 24th and Mission. You see them. It's it's on the corner in broad daylight. You know, I was on the phone with our police chief saying that this has to be. Taking care of, we have to stop this level of organized retail uh, theft, and 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 he's committed to that. Um, I know that we have to do better in our city. I, I can't say with certainty uh, that that those those youth that I saw last summer were involved in that, but I can tell you that from from their own statistics, CVS, Walgreens, Safeway, all of them, the vast majority of the people that are going in there are going in filling orders. They'll hit ten. Maybe 15 stores get their goods and then they'll get them to a middle, middleman and, and then those goods are resold. Um, and this is multi million dollars of goods that are, are being lost. And in many cases, it forces the, the retailer to close their stores.
2: I'm interested to know what you think we need. Do we need harsher penalties? Do we need the DA to charge more people? Um, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, I I think that, listen, I I think that we've seen over the last number of decades of failed policies of over-incarceration. I am not for uh, over-incarceration, but I am for accountability and I am for doing things to deter. Once we started to raise the alarm, uh, we have been able to get uh, some uh, officers posted at some of these stores and the amount of theft has dropped dramatically. But Walgreens, CVS, and some of these other stores, they also need to step up too. I mean, in that video that you're referencing, there was a security guard and I'm not even sure he called 911. So what are, what are they doing on their end? But in in the cases where it's organized retail crime and, and, and in the cases that I'm referring to, Yes, the district attorney does need to find a way to do what they call aggregate charges. Um, they, If someone's hitting multiple stores in one day or multiple stores and getting goods from them, they can take those charges and put them into what's called an aggregated charge um, if they're in the same county. And that's something that does need to happen. The police department needs to put the resources. We were at a hearing yesterday, uh, police chief was saying, um, that they're committed to dedicating resources, but they need to have the appropriate level of staffing. I also am on the budget committee. Uh, so we're, we're dedicated to ensuring that they have the appropriate level of staffing because th- this is gonna take a full court effort. And then our superior courts can't you know, dismiss charges or the judges need to ensure that they're, in the cases where we can prove that this is part of an organized ring, yes, there, there, there does need to be consequences. But for opportunities of crime, you know, crimes of opportunity where people are maybe are destitute or poverty, we, we have to have other solutions. So I'm, I'm not saying let's over incarcerate, but we do have to have accountability.
2: That was Asha Safai, District 11 Supervisor on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Uh, Mr. Safai, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: And we want to know what your questions or comments about shoplifting in San Francisco are. You can give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Joining us now are Sharin Alumi, Assistant District Attorney with San Francisco, and Rachel Michelin, the President of the California Retailers Association. And Sharin Alumi, I just want to go to you first. Uh, Give me your reaction to what the supervisor just said. What is the DA's role in all of this?
1: Uh, Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, So the DA's role in all of this is to ensure that if and when cases come to our office for prosecution, that we are doing what we can to ensure that justice is served um, in those individual cases. And I will emphasize that arrests are only made in 3% of these types of cases. And so even though we're addressing what we can do, on a, and I'm sorry if you hear my child in the background, um, <laughs> if we're if we're addressing what we can do um, in each individual case, it's important that we also keep a wider lens um, a wider lens and learn to emphasize, learn to dismantle the um, wider criminal network that is driving these types of crimes in the city and county of San Francisco. And we are doing um, what we can on that end as well.
2: Rachel Michelin, I want to go to you real quick. Um, Again, you are the president of the California Retailers Association. What are you hearing from retailers in San Francisco?
4: This has been a problem um, that's been going on for years. Um, We've been diligently trying to work on finding solutions to this um, to the extent that we currently have legislation pending in the state Senate to continue the funding for the Organized Retail Crime Task Force in California. The retailers were instrumental in getting that pushed through in 2018. Um, It was part of signed by Governor Brown. Um, And really, we're trying to attack it from all different ways. I mean, first and foremost, um, our priority is the safety of our employees and the safety of our consumers. And, you know, when you looked at that video that was going viral, you know, I think it was internationally, um, what struck me was that, you know, we we don't have, we can't have our security guards going after, they're not law enforcement. So we want to make sure that Our employees and our customers are safe. And unfortunately, the the issue of organized retail crime is just a a growing issue. But rest assured, retail um... is doing everything we can to stop it.
2: Rachel, and we are going to get more into that. we got to take a quick break right now. We want to know what your questions are about shoplifting. You can give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or email your questions to forum at kqed.org.
5: Welcome back to
2: Forum. We're talking about the problem of shoplifting in San Francisco with Rachel Michelin, president of the California Retailers Association, and Shirin Illumi, assistant district attorney for San Francisco. Uh, I want to get to some comments here. We had a listener write, The solution is stop enabling. That Walgreens video was unbelievable. And of course, there are many reasons why people engage in shoplifting. But until these those ills are addressed, turning a blind eye on the practice and then wondering what the heck is going on seems like a no-brainer to me. Uh, Rachel, that kind of gets at what you were just speaking about. I mean, there are security guards in a lot of these stores, but they don't seem to intervene a lot. I mean, what is the reasoning for that? And if they can't intervene, why are they even there?
4: So, you know, what we've heard from some of our our member companies in San Francisco, part one is that they have called um, law enforcement before and they don't get a response so part of it is when we're not really having the deterrent of seeing these types of crimes have any repercussions on the folks that are are committing them, it really gets to a point. Why call? Um, and number two, security guards are there to observe and report. That's what they're allowed to do. And so you know we do not want to put um, our employees in a position where if they try to intervene, that suddenly puts the customers in the store at risk or the other employees at risk. And so, you know, security guards are not law enforcement. Um, there are law enforcement. There are, you know, the district attorney's office, the, the law enforcement side that needs to prosecute these crimes. And I, and I want to be clear about something. There's a difference that we look at between organized retail crime and if there are folks that are going into stores and maybe they shoplift for necessity. And we as retailers want to make sure that We work in conjunction with elected leaders and and the cities and counties that our stores are in so that we can direct those people to the support that they need through those social interventions. This is an issue of organized crime. And to the point that was made earlier, they are going out, they are recruiting juveniles, they're recruiting homeless, they're paying them $100 to go into a store to take certain items that that get sold on the street, and that money then is turned into um, much much more um you know bigger crimes like human trafficking and terrorism and those types of things that's the reality of what we're trying to stop and so we want to work with anyone we can to try to find a solution to this problem because it's a growing problem it's a growing problem with the online marketplaces it's an online problem it's a growing problem within our communities And retailers, we're fabrics of the neighborhoods that we're in. We want to be good neighbors and good partners, but we need law enforcement and elected officials to also join us in making sure that we have solutions to the problem.
2: Uh, Sharon Alumi, you know we are hearing all of these stories today. Of course, that video was, you know, shocking to see. But despite all these shoplifting concerns, data from the San Francisco Police Department actually shows there's been a decline in crime this year, including shoplifting. They say it's down 14.4 percent compared to last year. So is this really that big of a problem, or is it something that is getting a lot of attention lately, and so perhaps we believe it's a bigger problem than it actually is?
1: Good question. So, it, it, you know, even if, um, you know, I, these types of stores are really part of the fabric of our community. And, you know, residents deserve to have stores they can walk into and feel safe inside. And they are very critical to the way um, San Francisco functions on a daily basis and where residents and tourists get their necessities. So, you know, I understand that even though shoplifting crimes and larceny thefts have been down, more than 14% since last year, you know, that may not be a big comfort to the people on the ground who are seeing these types of crimes happen over and over again. So even if um, crime has been down, we're still working to make sure that, you know, we can do everything in our power to address what is there. And, and so I, um, you know, we're working at the San Francisco district attorney's office um, to Create at the San Francisco District Attorney's Office, we have created a retail theft task force um, and our investigators are working across jurisdictions with multiple agencies. You know, as as Rachel said, the people who are committing these crimes may have, you know, different motivations, perhaps desperation, perhaps poverty. And the reason these crimes are being driven are because of the demand, not only with the street level fences, but with the larger criminal organizations and the network that's behind them. And so with um, various investigators, we've been working to kind of go upstream, if you will, or follow the money. Um, And in fact, uh, fall of last year, one such operation led to the recovery of over $8 million in stolen merchandise from CBS, Target, and Walgreens. And that case is currently being prosecuted as we speak.
2: Um, I, I want to go to a comment from Steve who writes the shoplifters are selling stolen goods in civic center plaza while the police are watching last evening, two officers were in a parked police car, watching a crowd buying and selling detergent purses, healthcare items, etc. obviously stolen from Walgreens, etc. This has been going on for months and years without any police intervention. It continues to get worse by the day. And I do want to let our listeners know um, we had reached out. We invited the uh, San Francisco police department to come on the show but they did not respond to our request. Uh, I also want to go to a caller now. Chuck from San Francisco. Go ahead.
0: Hi, my name is uh, Jeff. Um, I live in Jordan Park in San Francisco. You know, I think that the uh, problems here that we're seeing um, and the approach by, you know, probably the administration, the supervisors, the mayor, and perhaps the police department, you know, you are driving a policy that is aimed at protecting, I think, people at the lower level of socioeconomic conditions, and it's actually having the reverse effect. It's forcing out retailers in their city, um, driving out services that are um, there to serve the community. It's actually a form of racism, and it's actually very similar to the same thing that happened with um, with closed schools. And not to be off topic, but. Independent schools for the wealthy were open in the city and in Marin, and yet the the people, the students that needed who are most at risk who are at the lower end of the socioeconomic um, spectrum were at home and were not being schooled. You know, this is a policy that is driving a wedge socioeconomically, and it's also going to cause, um, I think, the wealthier people in the city to leave the city um because it 's just an increase in tax on us
2: thank you so much for your uh, for your call um I want to get to a comment right now from Susan, who writes, On Next Door. I hear my neighbors describe police officers who say, well, there's nothing we can do because of Prop 47. If we take them in, they'll just come out again. This strikes me as a coordinated misinformation campaign that deflects responsibility from the police who need to do a better job of investigation and deterrence. I would like to hear more about what the street-level police are doing to address this problem. And Prop 47, we should tell our listeners, um, was a proposition fairly recently passed in California that switched um, some crimes from felonies to misdemeanors. Uh, And Rachel Michelin, I'd be um, interested to get your response to that. What role, if any, do you think Prop 47 has on this uh, surge in in shoplifting?
4: You know, I think it has had an impact. Um, You know, criminals and and the the criminal entities that are behind the organized retail crime, they're they're smart. They know how to, to skirt the system. And prior to Prop 47 in California, the threshold was $250. And so Prop 47 did raise it to $950. It's cumulative, meaning that um, you, you kind of go up to that. We have legislation to try to fix it. But when you know that you have an amount, it's $950. We've seen situations specifically in san francisco where people will steal up to 949 dollars because they know that they will not get prosecuted if they're not over 950. so it has had a big impact you know we've seen it happen in other states um ironically california has one of the you know there are other states that actually have higher thresholds than in california but yet we still see california still leading the nation when it comes to organized retail crime so it has had an impact and it should be something that at some point we look at addressing. Um, that would have to obviously be done through an initiative process, but it's something that I think could help deter some of this um, expanding in the state, particularly in San Francisco.
2: And yet, Rachel, Rachel uh, you know, some retail groups supported Prop 20 on the fall ballot last year, which would have increased penalties for shoplifting and made it harder for those convicted of certain nonviolent property and drug crimes to get early parole. But that measure ultimately failed. So, you know, what does that tell you? It seems like people in the state are not interested in increasing penalties. They they rejected it just last year.
4: That's true. Um, And, you know, part of the problem is I'm not a big fan of legislating via the ballot box, because when you look at these campaigns, they become a a campaign and it's an advertising campaign. And so I will say that there were a lot of good things. In Prop 20 that would have made a difference when it came to law enforcement and, and being able to prosecute some of these crimes. Unfortunately, it was also, it became a very political hot potato. And so there were some good things in Prop 20. I think people, um, we had a number of ballots, we had a number of initiatives on the ballot that year. And so, you know, my hope is that as we continue to see, and and you know, like I said, retailers are trying to take responsibility and we wanna be part of the solution. That's why we were pushing so that the CVS, the the big bus that was mentioned earlier, that was a direct result of the Organized Retail Crime Task Force that's statewide in California, that it was the retailers who really took the initiative of making sure that that became in existence in California and that it had funding. And it's the retailers who are pushing hard right now to get funding in the budget to take place for the governor to sign on July one. So it it takes all of us to be at the table together. And I think when it came to Prop 20 and it it looks at, at how do we really combat this, what I welcome the opportunity is to work with the folks in San Francisco from a retail perspective on how we can really find solutions that are gonna protect the quality of life for all folks in San Francisco, and also make sure that people feel safe working and going into the stores in the city.
2: And uh Shirin Alumi I want to take uh, get your take on that. A lot of people as we've been talking about have blamed Prop 47 for this uh spike in in shoplifting that we're seeing. Uh, what is your office finding and has that proposition hindered your ability to go after some of these um uh cases? Um I I, I do
1: I understand that, you know, there's it, it's very um stressful. And it's having this type of crime happen repeatedly um, is very difficult. So no business should have to tolerate this kind of brazen crime. Um, At the same time, it seems that, you know, California uh, voters have decided, have repeatedly affirmed that incarceration isn't necessarily the answer. Um, And so that's why I agree with Rachel that, you know, finding creative solutions to Reduce this type of crime is necessary. And that's why we've asked, um, we've requested funding in our budget to create a property crime victim advocate in our office to specifically support victims of property crime. Um, And we're also partnering with a security company called Alto, which works with stores like Walgreens to ensure that we're doing what we can on our end to kind of um, shepherd these cases through the system. And, you know, I'm, I'm as, as part of the retail theft, theft task force internally in our office, I'm working on several operations um, currently that um, are doing exactly what this operation in the fall did, which is kind of going up the chain. And I think that needs to be done um, repeatedly over the course of many months to ensure that we can see a real impact on the ground. But I do want to make Clear that you know prop 47 did not decriminalize these types of crimes um and i'm not seeing in the types of cases that come across my desk um a concerted effort to keep you know certain property under the 950 mark so it doesn't seem like that it seems like it can be just going in and grabbing as much as they can but just depending on the type of um item, if it's toiletries or a Louis Vuitton bag, it, you know, they walk out with what they walk out with. Sometimes it's over at 950 and sometimes it's not.
2: I want to go to Mario from San Carlos now. Mario, go ahead.
0: Hello. Um, Thanks for taking my call. Um, I worked in retail down here for, um, you know, better part of 20 years. And I would see these organized crews hit the store I was working in. But we also had this huge internal theft to the point where everything expensive was locked away in special armored cages. Um, The fact of the matter is that this is a country where 40% of the population is functionally working poor, can't tolerate a $400 expense. And if you're in a store full of $500 jackets, um, those little um, shortfalls could be made up very quickly. Um, There's such a huge pool of recruits for these crews and for the internal theft as well that the ultimate answer is basically providing jobs that pay living wages to people who work.
2: Thank you so much, Mario. Uh, Rachel, what is your response to that? I mean, certainly, you know, we have seen a growing gap, income gap in in California, uh, you know, and and the rest of the country. And COVID certainly didn't help that. Um, So how are we seeing the socioeconomic factors play in here?
4: Um, So I think the the caller was right. I think there is some responsibility that you do have internal, um, you know, they prey on internal employees. But, you know, part of the challenge I will say in California for businesses in general is that we are the most overregulated state to do business. And so part of the challenge is that You know, we want to find ways that we can continue to give back to our employees, but it becomes very challenging when you're constantly bombarded with regulation after regulation that increase the cost of being able to conduct business. When you add on top of that, um, in a situation like in San Francisco, where you're dealing with um, huge shrinkage because you're seeing, you know, I think that the... um, The supervisor mentioned earlier, you know, a gap store, 85% of their losses is is from shoplifting. So, you know, we need to approach this from all different angles. You know, we want to invest back into our communities and invest back into our employees. But when we're constantly losing because shrinkage and and items are going out of the store, whether it's by an employee or by a, a, a criminal coming in and stealing, because they are finding that they can make Uh, Profit by contributing to these organized crime rings. Those are things that we need to address. And so those are all things that um, should be on the table. Those are all considerations that we should be making. Um, And those are things that we want to discuss with policymakers, not only in San Francisco, but across the state of California.
2: We have a, a listener who tweeted, I have lived in San Francisco since 1980. Not until recently, I have seen uh, San Francisco PD guarding, guarding a Walgreens. The dysfunction of the San Francisco DA and the San Francisco PD are to blame for these problems. Um, uh, Sharin, I mean, those are pretty harsh words. I mean, how do you respond to that?
1: You know, and I think you know maybe they're harsh words, but they're coming from a place of concern for the health of the city, which I completely share um, and understand. Um, but you know, punitive responses um, to in punishing desperate people on the ground is not going to promote justice or address the problem. Um, I, I I agree that you know with our previous caller that there are other issues driving this type of crime, and so if you if, if we incarcerate, you know, the person who does maybe five Walgreens shoplifts, there's always going to be another person who comes back. Or, um, you know, if we're, if we're just going to incarcerate as opposed to help these people when appropriate, then that's not going to address the root cause of the problem. And so that's why we're kind of going, going bigger and trying to work, work our way up the stream.
2: We've been talking about the problem of shoplifting in San Francisco with Rachel Rachel Michelin, president of the California Retailers Association, and Sharin Alumi, assistant district attorney for San Francisco. We spoke earlier with Supervisor Asha Safai, and uh, thank you. We took your calls as well. A lot more to say on this topic, and I'm sure we will address it again. Stay tuned for another segment ahead on KQED Forum. I'm Katie Orr.